Good morning. There's no way we're going to cover all of this. There's just no way. There's some good stuff in here that I feel like I should not skip. So if you bear with me, we're not going to get to your notes. Today we'll get to your notes. If you brought your notes. Some of you looked at me last week and said, where is he saying all that stuff? It's not in our notes. They only gave you the three points and the verses on the notes you have. But he's got sub-points for each of those points. I think you have them too. So just bear with me. Got a lot of verses. So thank you for praying. Uh, I still have a little bit of it, but I don't believe it's contagious. None of my family got sick. It's just coming back from the Philippines, uh, the tropics, to the temperate zone. And uh, anybody else maybe want a copy? Pastor Cole is going to make a copy. For those that were not here last week, probably, right? Maybe, Pastor, 10 more. Thank you, Pastor. I'm glad Pastor's here today. (laughs) Uh, Our attendance keeper is here, too. So he's ready, looking sharp, as always. Brother Dai. So we go to the first point. We finished the introduction last week. We go to the first point. I should have done this last week. This whole entire lesson. I'm looking at the whole book and the entire lessons are all like that. There's a lot of good verses and a lot of things that I feel like we should not try to uh, bulldoze through and take our time. For those that are listening in, I think uh, Brother Bob is down there this morning. So I'm sure she, he appreciates, the family appreciates all you guys praying for them. Uh, I think Brother Frank is still kind of under the weather. So he's got some... Uh, Steroid spray. I never heard of that, that you can uh, spray steroid, right? So pray for him. He's still under the weather. Uh, let's start with uh, Matthew chapter number 4. Matthew chapter number 4. I think it's in your notes there, but if you want to open your Bible, I think that would be something I would prefer. But it's up to you. Matthew chapter number 4 and verse number 18. Matthew chapter number 4 and verse number 18. We'll start there. And again, thank you for coming. Thank you for being here. Uh, pray for our Sunday school. As uh, There's new curriculums. I've been talking to some teachers even. Uh, what do we do with this? What do we do with this? Do we need to do this? So tonight, we're going to talk about that in our meeting. Uh, our monthly meeting as teachers at 7.30 after church tonight. Uh, pray for us as we... Uh, try to navigate some of the new curriculums we're using and uh, some of the changes in the rooms. And uh, please pray for that. Matthew chapter number 4 and verse number 18 to verse number 22. Keep your fingers there. Now, scoffers of church life will sometimes say, I just don't believe in organized religion. You probably hear that a lot lately. Uh, We'll make a point here. Uh, of course, one could make the point that we don't believe in disorganized religion either, right? Uh, Part of the purpose for this study is to learn how God planned for the church to be organized, all right? Ultimately, however, statements uh, leveled against organized religion usually carry the insatiate, insatiate, uh, I can't even say this, insinuation 
that the church itself is man's idea, not God's. And truthfully, many of man's ideas have crept into the church. Okay, there are entire denominations that teach their human founders' ideas rather than God's word and that govern themselves according to human ideas. Yet the local church actually was God's idea. All right, and that's the first point here. And as we will discover in this lesson, Christ himself was the founder. And as Bible believers, we believe what the Bible says, and we try to govern our faith by the truth of the word. And we govern our action and what we do by the truth of the word, of the word of God, correct? And so the Bible is attacked even to this day that it's only man that wrote it. And uh, lost man does not naturally understand spiritual truths that have to be discerned spiritually. And they need the Holy Ghost to live inside of them. And when you get saved, the Holy Ghost is promised to us that he will dwell within us. Okay? In this dispensation, in this age, the Holy Ghost dwells inside of us. And the Bible says... Uh, if you want to learn about the Holy Ghost, I consider for you to read John 14, 15, and 16, as God promised the Holy Ghost to his disciples before he went on to die on the cross, that he will guide us into all truth, and that he will teach us the truth of the word of God. And he will teach us what Christ said. Now, John 1, 1, we know that the word is Jesus Christ. This is the written word. Jesus Christ is the living word. And so Christ in the physical form today is the Bible. Oops, I just, I just ripped my Bible by doing that. Uh, I have to fix that later now. That's going to bug me. But anyways, uh, I don't know. I did something weird there. I normally do that. But anyways, uh, the written word is in physical form, may we say, is the Lord Jesus Christ. We can have it in the sense that we can understand it as human being. We, it's letters, it's numbers, it's a book, okay? And something that is made for us finite beings, okay? And it's incredible how it's got infinite truths in it, and it's got heavenly wisdom, but yet it's relayed to us in a form that we can understand it. You know, sometimes the brightest person in the world have a hard time relaying their wisdom, Okay, but God in his infinite wisdom has found a way that we as finite beings can grasp his principles and truths. Okay, they're not rocket science. Okay, there is something that we can understand. The only thing that makes a difference for us as saved people today is the Holy Ghost. So if you're not saved, the Bible says the natural man cannot discern the truths. And so when you talk to a lost person, they look at the word and the things you're saying and the principles you have known. They look at it as foolishness. It does not make sense to them because they don't have the spirit of God bearing witness with their spirit and that these are the truth. So uh, as we go on, you have people, scoffers, and people that reject organized religion as we see it today. We're part of an organized religion. Okay, We're Baptists. We're independent Baptists. As uh, some might think, we're disorganized, we are organized, okay? Uh, we might not have a board of directors that govern our entire denomination. We are independent on our own. 
as independent. That's what we call ourselves. We stand on our own. We believe in the truth of the word of God. We have a human representative, the pastor, and the pastor leads us into what God wants us to say and wants us to do. So point number one, the calling of the church. The calling of the church. So if you want to argue with them, argue with them with this, that the fact that the founder of the church is Christ. And as humans, we're just trying to make that apparent, all right? We're just trying to follow what the Bible says, okay? And, uh, and like you said, many things are done even within the independent Baptist movement that are independent Baptist movement idea, ideologies. It's just something we do. Sunday school, okay? We meet for Sunday school. The Bible doesn't say, thou must have Sunday school. No, it doesn't say that, but it's an idea that came about, and I don't know, even know it was an independent Baptist, if I remember at the time. Maybe I'm wrong. Don't quote me on that, but we can talk about that. Even the bus ministry, that was not necessarily a Bible doctrine, that every church must have a, Bible, a bus route, okay? It was just an idea that we were using, and it became predominantly popular, and it was effective at the time, and it is, in some places, still being used, okay? And so we use that as a tool. And Sunday school is a tool we use to teach the truth that is primary, the, the word of God, and to collect children, okay? Because the Bible tells us that let little children come to me, Jesus says, forbid them not to come to me. And so we teach them, and Sunday school is a tool we use to do that, okay? But that's an ideology that you don't find in Scripture, Thou must have Sunday school. Okay? Do you understand that? All right. We're not getting lost in that. So, thus, people come to us and say certain things. So, they have a merit when they're saying they're this, they, they, they disregard organized religion because there's a lot of man-made ideas involved. Now, in our church, we use man-made ideas for a tool to get the gospel to the lost people. The Bible says thou must give Grandparent Day and September 11th, Patriots Day, thou must provide them gifts. It doesn't say that. But Pastor, I think, has mentioned it several times. It's a net, it's a tool we use to get the gospel to a person that otherwise you might not be able to reach. Do you understand that? So the principle behind what we're doing here this morning is not against Scripture. But the idea is man-made. It's human. Okay. So there's some arguments people are making with that. As long as I believe we emphasize the truth of the scripture, and if we have man-made ideas, it needs to be backed up by principles and truths of scriptures, I don't think we're doing anything wrong. Thou must have padded pews, and thou must have air conditioning, and thou must make in a building such as this way with a steeple. You know, steeple was a man-made idea. In the Philippines, we don't have churches with steeples. That is not culturally acceptable. Not that they don't want it. They don't understand why we have it. A lot of preachers ask me, Pastor, why you, all of your churches, because they see all of our churches, why do you have all pointed things up? So what is the idea with that? Well, back in the day, that meant something for our American culture. You understand that? You don't get lost in any of those, okay? You don't have to be dogmatic about that. So if there's a church that doesn't have a steeple, guess what? It's okay. It's absolutely fine. There's websites now that we can find where they are. All right? And the steeple was assigned to show where the church was, a, a, a very basic, practical way of that. 
the calling of the church. To trace the beginning of the church, simply revisit the early moments of the ministry of Christ. After all, the church began with Jesus, and I believe that, all right? Uh, There's some argument about that, where the church actually started. Some would believe that John the Baptist started the church. I, 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 I cannot believe that because of what Jesus says about I, he says, uh, will be the founder. So I'll give you some of the truths here. Uh, by invitation, letter A, I think you have that in there. We see the first assembly forming as early as Matthew 4 when Jesus called his first disciples. Now Matthew 4, we're there. Verse number 18. And uh, before we continue, let's go ahead and pray. And then we'll continue. Lord, we come to you uh, asking for guidance. Thank you for all that is here. Pray that you'd bless our Sunday school. I pray that we would learn. I pray we would have the right spirit uh, in taking some of these truths. I pray that we would apply them. And I pray that we would stand on Bible principles. And that we would learn why we have a church. And what is the function of the church. And how we as members and even as ministers... And those that are maybe staff of the church, how we can better our church. I pray that you bless it now, our, 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 our time in Jesus' name. Amen. By invitation, Matthew 4, verse number 18. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter, and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. That's funny. They were fishers, right? We would say fishermen, but they were fishers. Okay, verse number 19. And he said unto them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, James, the sons of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in a ship with Zebedee, their father, and mending their nets. And he called them, and they immediately left their ship and their father, and followed him so we see jesus christ calling out disciples as we saw in the passage above jesus called individuals to leave the world and follow him first he called out peter and andrew and then james and john eventually uh, assembled a group of 12 disciples these 12 were the first apostles and it was these men who jesus set to be the foundation of his future church he was setting up four an institution. He was setting the church up. Okay, Ephesians chapter number 2 and verse number 20. If you want to go there, Ephesians chapter number 2 and verse number 20. You have it on your notes, but Ephesians chapter number 2 and verse number 20, it says, and are built upon the foundation of the apostle and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the cheap cornerstone. Okay, he's talking about the church where it was built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. And at that time, that was a major building block. All right? They built on the cornerstone. It was an important piece of structure for any kind of edifice or building that was going to be built. Okay? So Jesus put himself and referred to himself, I am the cornerstone. Without me, you can't build anything else. All right, so the church is founded on Jesus Christ, and he founded it because he is God. After this, uh, Jesus called out the apostles. He commissioned them to minister, and he gave them the power to do it. Now, look at Matthew. 
chapter number 10. Go back to Matthew chapter number 10. And verse number 1, Matthew 10 and verse number 1, it says, And when he had called unto him his 12 disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirit to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of diseases. Disease. Okay, so the ministry here is started, all right? From the beginning of Jesus' ministry, we see that he had the church in mind. Before the church was even started by Christ, we can see that he was already preparing the future leaders of his new institution. The calling of the church was by Jesus' invitation, and it was by Jesus' authority, and that's letter B, all right? So the founder, the calling of the church, meaning the foundation of the church, the starting of the church, the one that started the church, is Jesus Christ calling men to himself. Are we not a gathering of men that got called out from the world and saved to be separated unto him? That is the church. Remember, we find that last week. It's a called out assembly of saved, baptized believers. Correct? That's one of the definitions in the Bible of what a church is. And so as collective membership here in the group, uh, we are saved, baptized, and we're called unto Jesus Christ. Separation, sanctification is two different things. Uh, Being sanctified is being taken from something and being put with something else. Okay? That's the same thing in a picture of marriage. I like to go back to marriage. I don't know why, because it's the same God that instituted both. And he structured it very similar. And that's probably why he uses it in Ephesians chapter number 5, as an illustration to each other. There was truths of the church and the, that can be used as an illustration to husband and wife in Ephesians 5. And there is illustration of a husband and wife that illustrate to us what a church is. It's pretty cool. It's dual truths, because dual institution God made. And so when you find that as a man, I'm going to go to my wife because I only have one so far. And only, hopefully, <laughs> can't afford any more than that. But uh, I was available at one point to marry anyone. Correct? I was amongst, what they call it, the fish of the world. I didn't understand that illustration when ladies would come to me. You know, you're a great catch. I'm like, what's that supposed to mean? And there's many fishes in the world. Remember all those illustrations Pastor said? He said, this is not the only fish. All those counseling times when I was looking for a wife, you know? And I didn't understand all of that. But maybe because the disciples were fishermen. Now I'm getting you confused. No, don't listen to any of that. Uh, that's too much. But, uh, but you notice that we were out. I was available at one point. But then I made a choice, correct? There was a calling out. Now, I was the man in the situation. Let's make it more apparent to Elizabeth, because Elizabeth was the one that's waiting, right? And I'm the man that saw, and I'm the man that says, I invite you to be part of this relationship. And it was threefold, obviously, to start it. got serious, we got engaged, and then really got serious. We got married, right? And she said yes three times. After that, it's no, no, no. No, you can't buy a gun. No. No, right? No, we're not going to paint our house that color. No. Man. But anyways, so she was available. But when I invited her, she made a conscious choice and says, I want that. And as we got together, 
she is now separated from that availability. She was available to everybody. And now she became only available to who? To me. That is sanctification. That's the work of Jesus Christ every day. Justification is when we got saved. We were dirty. And God grabbed us from the miry clay, as the book of Psalms says, and he cleanses us. And now he sits us on the rock himself. And First Corinthians talks about that, refers that he's the rock. And then he enables us, establishes us. And that's establishing us is that work that is making us perfect. Because our Father is perfect. And so he's working in us to make us perfect. We don't get angry as easily. We don't get jealous. We don't, and God's work in the Holy Spirit is convicting us. We, we, we are not doing this anymore. We're doing this now. All right? But marriage starts in a wedding, and the wedding is like salvation. You got saved. What a glorious day. Anybody that got married at any point in their life, at that moment when you said, I do, most of us were glad. Now, some maybe we're not. I can't speak for everybody. But maybe like, man, I have no choice. I just have to do it. Some maybe had that. I don't know the circumstance that involved your relationship. But for me, I can say it was a glorious day. It was amazing. At that point, reality has not set in. At that point, her breath smells amazing. At that point, she did not do anything to annoy me. She just hanged the moon and the stars for me. And she was just one of them up there floating all the time. And I said, holy no, I, I didn't say that. But hallowed, no, I can't say that either. But I adored her. And then we lived. Wow, why do you squeeze the toothpaste tube that way? Why do you not refill the toilet paper when it's gone? It's hard to use it when it's just that paper roll. And so... You start to live, and, and that's the work of the Holy Ghost in sanctification. He gets dirty with us because we're dirty, and he's working in our life. And the neat thing about it is he brings us to a group of men and women in a church, and he does the work right now. What is the purpose of, the, of a pastor or a teacher or what I'm doing even this morning, this very thing I'm doing in the church is for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. It's a work that must continue, and it's a continuous work. I'm glad if you're sitting here and you know Jesus Christ, you're born again, you're a child of God, I rejoice with that. Hallelujah, we're saved. There's a lot of people out there that are not. And so continually God is saying, let's get out there, let's get out there, let's get out there. There's lost people, let's get out there. They need to get saved. They need to be part of a local church somewhere. And they will then begin the sanctification work that the Holy Ghost uh, is working on our lives. And so we, we find that uh, the letter be here by, in, by Jesus' authority. The institution of the church was not an idea of men. It was established by the direct authority of Jesus Christ. And if you look at even our church personally, if this is only man's idea, it would have fallen apart a long time ago. Correct? Right? Now, 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 some churches shut down for some reason. Okay, don't get lost in me now. All right? But the church itself, the idea of church. Now, we're not the only church. Okay? But the idea of the church, as we try to follow it, I believe, 
God will sustain us and God will give us grace to continue as an individual local church at Eden, New York. And I pray that every day. I pray that every day that the membership of Faith Bible Baptist Church, the leadership of Faith Bible Baptist Church, we all are led by the Spirit of God to work together and have partnership in our responsibility of stewardship to this local assembly so that we can continue down the road as God wants us to reach lost people, to build lives, and to see lives change, to see families helped, to see families uh, and children and young people grow, and some called out from us, among us, and go out and be an extension of our ministry somewhere around the world. you right. And so that's my prayer every day that the Holy Spirit is working in our heart, in our lives. Matthew 16, we're in Matthew, right? Go to Matthew chapter number 16 and verse number 18. I need to finish this first point. You need to help me. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. If you know the whole context of the scripture, uh, it's saying here, Peter answered him right about who he was. All right? And that was important of who Jesus was. Let's look at that so that we're not confused here in Matthew 16. And it says right here in verse number 13. Let's go there. And when Jesus came into the coast of Sisera Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, Whom do men say that I, the son of man, am? Verse 14, and they said, some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias. Now we understand why people get confused with these men, because these men were great men that God was able to use. And others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Verse 15, he said unto them, now as a group, this is what men say as they were ministering. Now to you, to you, my disciples, who do you think I am? And he says this in verse 16, and Simon, the typical spokesperson for the group, and Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. It's funny how he termed himself in verse 13, Son of Man, and then later Peter says, You are Son of God, basically. And then verse 17, Jesus expounded to them this truth from that statement, okay? And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood had not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee, and that is even a, a very good idea for us to find out, that man did not come up with the church. That very statement. This is not something that came out of your head, Peter. Okay? This came directly from my Father. And how does he do that? Through the Holy Ghost. Okay? At this point, Jesus was with them. So Jesus was being used. Verse 18, And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. Now, we get lost here. But I think what Jesus was saying to this, uh, his disciple Peter, upon this truth, 
that I am the Son of God, and this is revealed to you by my Father, not coming from your own mind, this truth that I am the authority, I will build my church. Do you understand that? And so Jesus was stating a fact, saying, this truth is what I'm going to build my church upon. Now, he illustrated it upon a rock. Why? Because of the sayings of scriptures. They were big about foundations back then. And as we are today, we, we, we build houses with, with an idea of a foundation. I didn't buy a house down the street because the foundation had some, some problems, right? So it means something to us. And the Bible says we have a more sure word, we have a more sure foundation, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no other foundation laid than that which is laid, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, and so that is the emphasis that Christ was saying, illustrating it upon the word rock. Don't get lost in the rock, because Peter was a little stone. God is the rock, First Corinthians, we already know that. Deuteronomy 32 tells us he's the rock. Okay, let's not get confused. He's the cornerstone. He's the main thing. That's why we have a church. He's the main thing here. Jesus is the main thing. If anybody gets applauded, anybody gets glorified, anybody gets praised, it ought to be Jesus in the church. Because he built this. And he built it for your benefit. That is so neat about God and his giving qualities, his giving character. He always does something for us. Always is with us in mind. How spoiled we are if we realize that he established a church for us. Does he need men to worship him? No. He was sufficient before he made us. But the church was built for us. Let's continue here. Uh, uh, I'm going to refer to the lesson here. Just before Jesus made this statement, Peter had a had made a bold declaration of Jesus' deity and authority, okay? And so that's going to make an emphasis on that. And he referred to Matthew 16 and verse 16. Now let's continue here in the lesson. It was in this context that Jesus said, upon this rock I will build my church. This is an interesting note concerning the Greek word Jesus used when he told Peter, upon this rock I will build my church. The name Peter actually means rock. It comes from the Greek word petros, and it refers to a large stone or a rock. But the Greek word for this rock in Matthew 16, 18 is Petra, okay? And some of this argument that we hear all the time. And it means a cleft or a ledge, a projecting rock, a bedrock, which can even refer to a mountain ranges, okay? Jesus uh, essentially said to Peter, you are a rock, but on the truth that you spoke of, which I just emphasized this morning, that I am the Christ, and the authority as the Son of God on that bedrock, on that foundation, on that cornerstone, I will build my church. God assembled. The church was not founded on human authority, but on God's authority. Jesus must be preeminent in the church because he died for the church. We read the scriptures in our introduction last week. Let's read it again. Math, Colossians 1, 18 to 20. Let's go back to those verses we spoke of. Last week, Colossians 1, 18 to 20. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. <coughs> Excuse me. That in all things he might have the preeminence. He's the main thing. And second to him is so far removed, it doesn't even matter. Okay, he's the main thing. 
he must have preeminence. <clears throat> For he pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say, whether they be things on earth or things in heaven. <clears throat> We're going to finish. Around the inside of the dome of St. Peter's Basilica in Rome are words towering over six and a half feet in height from the Latin Vulgate. I don't pretend to read this, but I don't know if it's in your notes. Not in your notes. <coughs> I can't read this. I'm going to try. <laughs> Tibis Petrus is super... I can't even say it. It's in Latin, okay? Let me translate it for you, right? The word means, you are Peter. On this rock, I will build my church. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And that is what Matthew says. Correct? We just read in Matthew 16. This is in a Catholic basilica, okay? <clears throat> the Catholic Church venerates uh, Peter as the founder of the church, but the scripture clearly points to Christ as the founder. He built the church by his authority, and he purchased the church with his blood. Beliefs in Jesus' deity and authority is crucial to understanding the origin and foundation of the church. Scripture makes both of these attributes clear. Now look at this last verse we're going to look at, and we've got some time here. 1 Timothy chapter number 3. 1 Timothy chapter number 3. We're not against any denomination. We're just against lies. We're not against any denomination. We love every people because John 3.16 exists. For God so loved the world. He talks about all the people that are led astray by false teachers. We're not against any denominations. But we're against lies because we're a people of the truth. We are the ones that I believe have the truth of the word of God. We, we believe it. We practice. Now we fail in practicing some of the truths. Yes. Just look at your life and be honest. Do we not fail? But praise the Lord. God gives us grace. As we fall, God says, there's a promise in Proverbs. If a just man falls, he can rise up again. And in the book of the New Testament, where somebody hurt you, Peter asked, how many times should I forgive them? God says, infinitely, forgive them. Basically, 70 times 7. Okay? <clears throat> Look at 1 Timothy 3 and verse number 16. It says, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness, God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. What a summary of what Christ did. What a quick summary of what Christ did. His mission on coming to earth is given to us in a synopsis here. Quick, 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 quickly in 1 Timothy chapter number 3 and verse number 16. He was in the flesh, he was justified of the spirit, he was seen of angels, he was preaching to the Gentiles, also to the Jews that got saved, believed on in the world, received up into glory. So we see that church was called by Jesus himself. He first invited and assembled the 12 apostles. And then by his authority, he organized the institution of the church with the apostles at the foundation on him, the chief cornerstone. 
But who belongs in the church? And who is the church comprised of? And that's what we'll talk about next week because our time is up. We'll talk about it next week. The next point we're going to look at, the composition of the church. What makes up the church? Now, we're class, we're clear, right, that this is God's idea. <laughs> this is God's institution, and God started it. And he built it upon himself. And that is who? The cornerstone, or what we would call the head. And the head refers to what? The rock refers to what? Authority. He is deity. He is God. And so when he made this, he is the authority. Who do we answer to as the church? Ultimately, biblically, who do we answer to as the church? Christ is who we answer to the church. So if the preacher has problems and he's not following Jesus Christ, you have an obligation to go to your preacher and say, Pastor, according to the scripture, there's some truths you're violating by your life and by your teaching. Pastor, we need to talk about this. Because you are under the authority of Christ. Because Christ is the head of this church. And so as the pastor, it goes both ways, right? And so as the pastor, if he sees life not living according to the scripture, if there are truths being in mind and being practiced and being talked about in mind that is not in scripture, the preacher has as much responsibility as the congregation to the preacher, the preacher has a responsibility to you to preach to you, thus saith the Lord. All right? Are we clear about that? Because we are all stewards of this local church that are assembled here in Eden, New York. All right? Pray. Lord, thank you for everyone that's come. Pray for those that are coming for the main service. Help our pastor. Give him the words he needs. Give him the filling of the spirit. And Lord, thank you for him. Uh, acting in behalf of you as your human representative, and thank you that uh, he has led us in paths that I personally will say I'm thankful for. I'm blessed to have followed truths that was taught and preached in this church that has benefited me even today. And Lord, I pray that you'd bless us as we are responsible to the fact that you are the founder, and we are mindful that this is not a human institution, but a godly institution. And Lord, we we want to honor you and praise you. And bless us now as we're dismissed in Jesus' name. Amen.